At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And good morning, Birds fans. It's a midweek edition of Birds 365 hump day. Uh, Wednesday, which means we've got John McMullen here at the top of the show. We were planning on having Jeff Kerr break down the communications. Unfortunately, Mr. Kerr can't join us, so you can get stuck with me all day. You were going to be stuck with me anyway, but uh, uh, we'll work some other aspects into the show. We got uh, Jason Cole, national football writer, to join us next hour. But Johnny Mac and I will give you a solid half hour of uh, Eagles insight here. What insight did you glean from Coordinator Tuesday yesterday, John McMullen? That's a good question, Jody, to start off. I got to think, was there much to glean? Uh, you know, I thought it was a weird week from the defensive perspective. Like I said, there wasn't a lot to complain about, but I don't, I don't know what it really means against an offense that was as limited as the New York Giants. And then we find out after later in the day that Daniel Jones, oh, by the way, got hurt early in the game with playing through it and he might be forced to miss a game or two for the Giants and we'll see how that shakes out uh moving forward they signed Jake Fromm who I know you're a fan of of the Buffalo practice squad so he's going to be their backup if Daniel Jones can't go this week um and then you know from the special teams perspective there was a little Jalen Rager uh, returner questioning. How'd that go? And, and, well, uh, you know, it's the same as a receiver, I, I think. But I have a little bit more problem with it than I do at receiver. <clears throat> I, I get why they keep playing in at receiver, and I think that's more an indictment of Howie Roseman and the options, and we talked a little bit about that yesterday. Uh, at returner, I think they have some options, uh, at, and Quez Watkins not being one of them, um, I thought he was even worse as a kick returner early in the season than Jalen. Uh, but I think Boston Scott has proven in the past that, look, he's not Cordero Patterson, but he's okay. And he'll get the, the yardage that's there. Um, and he can return punts as well. And I think the same thing. I, I think the most 
disappointing return to me uh, was the last return. And, and it wasn't, you know, Jalen got nine yards, I think, and quick. It was a bad punt. You remember, the game seemed over after the Boston Scott fumble. Right. And all of a sudden, the Eagles go out there. They stop the Giants really quickly. They get the ball right back. Riley Dixon, Dixon with a really bad punt. Um, not a ton of hang time. Maybe a little weather-related. We're finally getting into that. I think we're in December. I got to check my calendar. So weather starts to become an issue when you talk about kicking. Um, and it, it was all set up and there, there was room and he just kind of took the nine yards and that was it. And I don't know. He was supposed to be an explosive player and that's a chance. We know, we, hey, Miracle Momentum, Meadowlands, what better place to amplify that uh, as a punt return that can make a difference late in the game? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This, this team keeps defaulting to this player and it's, uh, it's a concern for me. It's certainly a concern for the fan base and I, I don't get it. He's played himself off the field. So take him off the field. Let me ask you about something you just mentioned. Cause, uh, I had, uh, Ricky Ricardo. I know, you know, Ricky, well, uh, the voice of the Eagles in, in Espanol. I was on WIP last night, and Ricky was testing out his home broadcast equipment. Don't ask me what he was doing or why he was doing it <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning, but he was. And I come back from a break, and my producer tells me, hey, Ricky Ricardo's on the line. He said, if you want to shoot the breeze with him, he'll hop on with you for a couple minutes. Of course I'll punch Ricardo up. Uh, and he was up at uh, MetLife Stadium for the game on Sunday. Uh, they were broadcasting on the road, which is a good thing. means that we're uh, advancing a little bit in our ongoing battle against COVID. Uh, so Ricky was actually there. And he said he thought the wind was a factor in Sunday's game and that it may have had a Jalen Hurts ball or two hang up a little bit. Um, I've certainly have spent too many games at the Meadowlands uh, when it was Giant Stadium and certainly now in uh, the new MetLife Stadium as a uh, jet ticket guy. It didn't seem that way to me. Now, I'm judging it from uh, right over there, uh, my couch. So what the hell do I know? I wasn't really there, but I've seen so many games played there. I think I can tell when the wind is a factor. And it didn't seem like that was the case on Sunday. I can guarantee tell you that is less of a case in the new stadium than it was in the old stadium. The old stadium the wind could really play tricks on you and it blew through that stadium very harshly. And it's not the same anymore. It's still the Northeast in late October. It wasn't quite, uh, excuse me, late November, wasn't quite December yet, but I didn't think the wind was a big player in the game on Sunday. You were there. Now you're in an enclosed press box, but you've certainly got a better look than any of us schmucks on TV. Uh, How big a factor was it? Well, I, I'll say this, and you just said it. I mean, there's been a lot of wind games at the Meadowlands over the years. In the old stadium, you know, Barcells used to open up the doors, so to speak, and 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 play tricks. And uh, it it wasn't like that, uh, you know. I um, I actually think. Sorry to interrupt. I actually think the link is more of a wind affected stadium than is MetLife. Yeah, you have the one open end that kind of screws with some people, especially kickers uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. 
Uh, during weather games, obviously. Uh, and that's why we, as we get into December and January, that stuff's going to pick up. It was cold. I, I think I it was about mid-30s. I know the wind chill was under uh, 32 when the game started. But, I mean, it was less than 10 miles an hour. It was probably in the 5, 6, 7 range. And occasionally a gust can come up, but it, it didn't have, it didn't have a major effect on the game. I, I wouldn't say that. Um, and, and especially compared to other games, uh, as you well know, at, at the Meadowlands complex as a whole, um, there could be some nasty games there. This was not, this was not, except for a little bit of a chill. This was not a, a bad weather game. That's a, the way that I thought it played. Uh, I was surprised that Ricardo said what he did. Um, but uh, I'm not going to, and I don't want to look to make an excuses for Jalen Hurts because he had certainly his worst game of this year, probably comparable to any of the games that he had last year. And his status is up on the air for this weekend against the uh, Jets up in that same building we were just referencing. And Shane Steichen didn't give you any extra information because I know the head coach said on Monday – yeah, we'll probably have a little bit better read on Wednesday, which is basically passing the buck down the line. Shane Steichen didn't pick the ball up and run with it, did he? Yeah, well, actually a little bit, a little bit more than you would expect in the fact that he, he did admit that Gardner Minshew was at the complex and they're preparing him to be ready to play with, you know, with the, with the caveat of they hope Jalen plays, they plan on Jalen playing, but they have to, be ready if he can't play. So it was a little bit more than uh, I thought we would get. Today's obviously a far bigger day. Uh, Ultimately, I still think, and mainly because Nick Sirianni's been doing this all year with injured players, he thinks he has a competitive advantage and he plays that card really hard. And I think it's overblown, overrated. Uh, But he does it. And I think he's going to do it with Jalen Hurts. So I expect him to be limited today. And, you know, he'll probably say it's going to go one of two ways. He might say um, uh, uh, he's not playing. If he really is hurt and, and, he, and he really want to play, we're going to be that limited and, and we're going to see how it goes the rest of the week, you know, try to push it off as much as possible. And then by Friday, he won't have an injury designation and you'll know he'll be ready to go. It seems like a, a bunch of nothing, but uh, I don't know. There, He's not the, and by the way, he's not the only coach that does that. I, I mean, you go back last week to Joe Judge, not, you know, everybody in the world knew Freddie Kitchens was calling plays and he was still trying to play around. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, coaches are just weird when it comes to that.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that. I catch the beauty of a live broadcast. Every once in a while, the feed just goes out on you, and you're sitting here going, staring at a green screen. I got a green screen behind me. I'm not supposed to have a green screen in front of me on my computer, but we did. All right, so glad to be back here on Birds 365. McDonald and McMullen hanging with you. Uh, JM, we were talking about uh, how the Eagles uh, ferret out information on uh, whether uh, players are going to play or not. I don't think they're. Well, I do think I should uh, correct that. I do think they're purposefully um, willing and able to uh, not put forth exactly all the information they have. And as you mentioned, uh, the coach believes he gets a bit of a competitive advantage with that that I think is kind of overstated. But um, as far as Jalen's ability to play, uh, the Eagles have X amount of hours a week they can practice, same as every other team in the National Football League. And I know this is the head coach's first year, and we do. We're judging him and how he, A, dispenses information and then makes decisions about injured players. Um, we have not had any question with Jalen Hurts this year. So we have no uh, track record to run on on how he handles a quarterback that might not be able to practice as much as he usually does going up to a game. If that's the case, I'm going to ask you to speculate here, a little bit here for me, J-Mac. Um, 
he has done it with other players at other positions. And you said uh, even uh, hoodwinks, uh, both us and the supposed opposition uh, heading into a game during the week. Do you think how much Jalen Hurts practice is this week will affect the decision as to whether he will or won't play Sunday against the Jets? Uh, you know, it's an interesting question because there is a difference between uh, veteran players uh, who who have done it for a long time and kind of know how to get through things without practice versus a, a very young quarterback Um uh, still young in his career, obviously still learning on the job and uh, practice and, and, and all that kind of stuff is very important. And then you have, obviously, you're playing the most important position on the field. It's very integral to everybody else as well. So uh, you have that difficult balancing act of trying to get Gardner Minshew ready just in case. Right. Uh, so I do think uh, there's no question uh, Minshew's uh, reps will be ramped up during the week. Um, you know, is it going to be 50-50? Is it going to be 80-20? Typically, and I, I I don't know if people know this or not, I mean, the the, the first-string quarterback gets all the first-team reps. I mean, there's no, um, you know, if they're healthy, there's no, oh, we'll mix in this guy. Now, yeah, occasionally, and I would joke about this during training camp, you probably remember, Jody, you know, somebody's got to tie a shoe. Somebody's got to go to the bathroom, a little stuff like that. You got to jump in and take a rep. Never happened with Jalen Hurts. Never missed one um, uh, preseason rep um, as as the starting quarterback for the Eagles. So um, it, it's definitely a bit of a change. Uh, I think it more has to do with do they feel in in do they feel he can be effective if he's limited? I, we look at the best quarterbacks in this league. In my opinion, the best remains Aaron Rodgers. Um, people can debate that. He's playing with a whatever's got going on with his toe, the broken toe, whatever. Um, he's limited. Um, he's playing pretty well. <laughs> Check out his numbers over the last couple games with a toe injury. Uh, but he's got to go about it a little bit differently. He's not going to uh, move around as much. He's not going to – and he's a sneaky mobile quarterback, as you know. He, he's willing to run the football uh, when you give it to him. Uh, but that's a little bit limited. In the case of Jalen Hurts, it's, it's the biggest part of his game is the running game. 77 yards against um, the Giants, really effective, almost 10 yards a carry. Um, and this is every week. That's not an outlier. No. I heard that from some of the Giants fans. And like, well, they we did pretty good against the run. If you take Jalen Hurts out of it, well, you can't take Jalen Hurts out of it. And that's every week. And that's why the Eagles have been rushing for 200 yards, uh, you know, almost every game, four out of five, uh, uh, dating back over a month now. Um you take that from his uh, repertoire and he's sitting back in the pocket and he's got to play a little bit differently. I don't know if the Eagles are comfortable with that. So that enters into the equation. He can certainly do it. The question is, can he do it effectively? Right. And uh, if he can't run the football, that's the bigger question the Eagles have to, to ask themselves. Not only who gives them the better opportunity to beat the the New York Jets. Uh, do you want them out there um, 
for lack of a better description, to play poorly. It's a difficult decision. And the reason why I think it's even more difficult, two points, um, is because whatever practice they'll get later in the week, Friday, walk the, the, the key practice they have on Friday, you're going to tell your defensive guys, try and make this as game-like conditions as you can. Because they're trying to judge whether Jalen can do what Jalen does, which is take off and make plays with his legs. But they're so accustomed to not putting pressure on the quarterback in practice that it's going to be a change of mind that, oh, we want to make Jalen feel this, but we don't want to hurt him because he's got the bum ankle and they don't want to hurt him anyway because he's their starting quarterback. I don't know if they can even get the right read that they'll be looking for to make that call on him. So it's kind of tough to make a call on a quarterback uh, as you say, still relatively early in his career as to whether in practice can even give you enough information to make the right call as to whether to put a guy up there. Um, the guy was the all-time greatest as far as I'm concerned. See if you agree or disagree with this. Uh, the guy would basically never practice. Every single week, the practice reports would come in uh, injured on the sideline, not practicing, not practicing, not practicing, questionable for the game on Sunday. And then he would play every single week. And you could never tell that he missed. If you didn't know, if they didn't have to report it, you would have no clue whatsoever that this guy was not taking any practice steps all week long and then would show up on Sunday and play the way he was supposed to play, basically on a week-in, week-out basic. Guy in the last 20 years, who do you think I'm referring to? Uh, didn't practice at all, showed up and played. Uh, are we talking about a quarterback? We Correct, the quarterback. About- uh, who didn't practice? Uh, top level quarterback too. Top t- top ten, basically throughout his entire career. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, uh, you know, Brett wouldn't practice a lot, Brett Farr, Ooh. because he was always banged up. Um, but he played uh, every week. This guy was uh, absolutely the same as Brett Farr. I think maybe even more so. Uh, no, I don't know who you're going with, uh, as far as not practicing, uh, the way Brett played, he would always be banged up and obviously he would always go, but who, who are you? The guy I'm remembering. And yeah, if you're looking at the lines of the games every single week, you look at, so you factor that in always oh, not practicing. How will that affect this game? Steve McNair never yeah, freaking yeah. ever practice. He never practiced. He yeah, would, as he, soon as like the season would start, I think he kind of jaked it and said, oh, I've determined I don't need these <laughs> practices, so why should yeah. I practice? And he'd come <laughs> out and be Steve McNair every single week, even though he never took a snap to practice. He was a he was a big physical guy as well, and he took a, yeah, he took a beating. Those two, yeah, those two, that's a good one. Those two are, are very comparable in the fact that they always showed up. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it does happen later. In, in their careers, obviously, when they've proven themselves and they understand the offense and they're deeply, deeply entrenched in it. I think it's a, a lot different for young quarterbacks. Uh, typically, when they can't practice, they don't play. Um, so it's big. And, you know, Jalen was able to finish the game, but, you, you, you know, that happens all the time as well when you're in the game and um, – your 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 adrenaline is up. You're able to finish things, and you're very sore. That's how Nick described it. So it, it could be everything from a 
Um, it, it's it's certainly not a, a high ankle sprain, which are the most difficult to deal with. Those are multi-week injuries. Um, it's probably a low ankle strain and, and sprain, and that, that could be a one- to two-week injury. Um, and he might fight through it. But because of his style of play, I think it makes it more of a question mark than anything else. And the fact that if he's limited, we talked about this with Les Bowen, as I said, we brought it up. It's not about, you know, even missing a game. It's about, can he be effective if he's limited? Cause ultimately he's going to get banged up and then boom, we, it, it happens. It, it's funny how that works. It's just, just the way you play this game. I gave you a Jim Marshall story. I'm going I'm going to give you a Mick Tinglehoff story today, okay. uh, Jody. Mick, uh, we were talking about guys who played consecutive games. So he's, he was a Hall of Fame center. Um, it played, you know, we talked about Jason Kelsey. He's got this ridiculous games played streak. Well, Tinglehoff was a 240 uh, playing center uh, in the NFL. And he had a backup, and his name was Godfrey Zonbacker. I remember. Cause what, it's where? A, can can, can yeah. you spell that, please? <laughs> it's such an interesting name. So somebody was talking to Godfrey one day. And he, and he called himself the third string center. He's the backup center. And, 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 and the guy said, who's, and the, and the reporter asked him, who's, who's, who's ahead of you? Is there somebody I missed? I guess who's the backup center. And he said, Tinglehoff and Tinglehoff hurt. The backup is Tinglehoff hurt because <laughs> he's going to play. So he considered himself the third string center. That's funny. Uh, and there's uh, Kelsey's very much like that. You know, I don't even question Jason left the game for the longest period in a very long time. And I thought he was going to be uh, ultimately sit down and all of a sudden he's back in there and he's another guy we have to keep on. Uh, we have to keep an eye on. We have to keep an eye on Miles Sanders today, uh, Jordan Howard today, uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, Jalen Hurts. But of all of them, I, I'm pretty confident Jason Kelsey's going to be the one that plays. Agreed. Um, I don't think we talked about this Monday. I know you made reference to the coach not knowing as to exactly whether he was or wasn't in and out of the lineup. Um, how many plays did Jason come back for before Driscoll went out and Herbig came in and first filled in for uh Jason Not many. Jackson. It might have been a, it might have been a drive or two, but he just it, it was kind of lucky that part of it worked out for the Eagles because it yeah. wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, Kelsey didn't come back in the game because Driscoll got hurt. He had already come back in the He'd game, so that back, was yeah. that was the timing. It just lucked out a little bit for them, and Driscoll obviously officially went on injured reserve yesterday, so. The Eagles, it's pretty amazing. I was going through it, Jody. Um, we've got, uh, um, they're at four right guards, um, three right tackles, two centers, three left guards, uh, two left tackles. That's what the Eagles have been at this season, and they still have unquestionably a top five offensive line. We'll see if it continues without Driscoll. I think it will. For some reason, they don't seem to think of Nate Herbig as a starter, but he's always been relatively effective uh, when they put him in there. You might even see some Suo Peta 
I, I don't know how they're going to go, but it's pretty amazing attrition for the second consecutive season. Um, and they're still, they've really, really done a good job getting through it. One quick offensive line question. Then uh, I do want to jump to something else with the Eagles and quarterback position. Um, they elevated Brett Toth from the practice squad. You knew somebody was coming because of the injury to Driscoll and the fact that he's now on the IR for the entire rest of the season. Um, I know you've told me before, and you get more information on it. You see it because you're there at practice. It's limited. It is. It's more so than I do because I never go down there. Um, but your sources have told you that they really like the Coyote. Um, they had a chance here to potentially elevate him because both he and Toth are on the practice squad and Toth got the call. Positional decision. Toth is just further along. They still think Coyote's a ways away, kind of like maybe the way they looked at Mylotta in his first year. Yeah, we love him. We got no chance to play him because he's so green. We're not putting him in there, but we still love his potential. Uh, I'm sure your sources are uh, still giving you information if you're uh, getting it on uh, what the Eagles think of uh, Coyote. Uh, why Brett taught the guy getting elevated this week? Um, I, I well, one, yeah, Brett's uh, obviously ahead of him. Brett made the team and had a really good training camp, and, and then they had to do some roster uh, maneuverings. Um, so that's part of it. That he can play outside as well. They consider uh, Coyote more of an inside player at this point, even though he played tackle in college. Uh, they consider uh, Toth more of a tackle. So when you think about Driscoll, he had been playing right guard. But remember, his natural position is right tackle. He's more of a tackle than a guard. So he he served two purposes when I talked about those issues uh, on the offensive line. He was also essentially the backup right tackle as well if Lane Johnson went down. Right. When Johnson or, was out, that's where he played. Yeah. Um uh, that would be the maneuver. So, so Toth can kind of do that as as well. And they have Herbig and Opeta already to play inside. So, I think it's more of having the extra guy who can play outside. Because as we all know, and, and and we all talked about Andre Dillard, and I I thought he played well at left tackle when he was forced in the lineup, but he can't play right tackle, and that that part of it's not good, so they need that extra body who can play right tackle just as a contingency. Alright, J-Mac, two more things before uh, we let you run and go get your COVID test in. Um, about the Eagles quarterback position, Jalen Hurts injury, we'll find out later in the week, he's going to play, can he play and still be effective running the ball, or can he be effective if he is limited in his ability to play? We'll get some more good info on Jalen Hurts if he plays, and we don't even know. It could be a zero as far as new information goes, or it could be uh, something that we can't add to the mix of the evaluation. I, I kind of feel bad because I'm a fan, and I almost compare it to a dating situation. Uh, right now, uh, as far as my relationship with Jalen Hurts and my evaluation of can he be the quarterback of the Eagles going forward, up until Sunday, I was feeling good about it. We had gone out on some seriously nice dates. And I was uh, smiling, but I had never asked for exclusivity. Uh, we were still in the dating phase. Some people had already broken up with Jalen Hurts. Others had already proposed marriage to Jalen Hurts. I was still in the dating phase. 
Uh, and yeah, it wasn't a great date this past Sunday. Um, so I do have a wandering eye. I'm sorry to say, I almost feel like I'm cheating on him, but since we're not exclusive, I think I can do that. Um, we know the situation with all the quarterbacks who've been talked about, could they be traded? The Sean Watson doesn't want to come here. Uh, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson look a little old since he got back from the injury issue that he had. You and I both agree. No shot of Aaron Rodgers coming here. Let me run one by you. And I think we touched on this before, but let me double down on it. Um, if Deshaun Watson is traded, his preference is to go to Miami. He said that uh, we know that they actually got a little further along in conversations than any other team for Deshaun Watson services. The owner made a request that had no chance of happening, basically torpedoed the talk by saying, I want him to settle all those suits ahead of time. Gave him like two days notice before the NFL trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, he was going to be able to settle all those things, Stephen Ross. Yeah, right. That was happening. Uh, but by the time next season rolls around, we'll certainly have more information about Deshaun Watson and his suits. And maybe the Dolphins uh, do have the ability to pull a trade. Tua Tungavailoa has looked significantly better the last several weeks. He's had a quarterback rating of over 104 of the last five games. Dolphins have won four in a row. I have been, continue to be a huge Tua fan from the time he came off the bench to lead Alabama to a uh, championship, making the biggest pass of the game to who, John McMullen? Uh, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, that's correct. So we know that connection works. I am, I have been, I'll continue to be a Tua fan. If this Jalen Hurts thing is not resolved by the end of the year, we're sitting here and we're still going, yeah, but he's good. And he does things that no other quarterback can do. And we like that. But his percentage of completions, his ability to make all the throwing plays, I don't know. He didn't do enough of what would you think if the Eagles decided to trade for Tua Tungabaloa? Um, I, 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 it wouldn't bother me at all. Um, from a personal standpoint, I, I don't think they're looking in that direction. I haven't heard anything, uh, that they had any interest when there was, he wasn't playing as well as he's playing, as you mentioned right now, Jody, um, never heard the Eagles connected with Tua. It didn't seem like they evaluated the player to the point where they would want to go in that direction. Just remember, if they want to move on from Jalen Hurts, they want to move on from somebody who they think is a significant upgrade. Bottom line, they want to move on for a top 10 quarterback. That's what they've been looking for. That's what they thought they had in Carson Wentz. That's what they think they need to win consistently, and they're probably right uh, long term. They considered Deshaun Watson to be that player, um, that type of player, not the only one, um, they would have traded for Deshaun Watson uh, if if it were on the table and and Howie Roseman got the uh, green light to do it. Um, if he could pull it off and there were a lot of extenuating circumstances with the legal stuff. But you for, before you even get to the legal stuff, uh, you can't get past the fact that, oh, he didn't want to come to Philadelphia and he had a trade uh, uh um, he could block any trade. So uh, it never got out of the gates. But from the player perspective, yeah, they, as I always call them, he's an FU player. Uh, they consider him an FU player. I do not think they consider uh, Tua 
that type of player. Uh, and I don't even think they'll engage in conversations. I think in that kind of circumstance, they would continue on with another year of, of Jalen Hurts. But anything can change if he continues to play well. But if he continues to play well, maybe he's back in the mix in Miami. <laughs> and they say, well, we don't want to deal with the headaches of Deshaun Watson. And maybe that's the um, the, the butterfly effect the Eagles need. Because you, you can say, I don't want to play here. I don't want to play here. I don't want to play here. But if the places you want to play don't want you, if you want to play, you're going to have to open up your mind and say, all right, I'll, I'll go here. So maybe that maybe that back door, so to speak, opens up for the Eagles. So a lot of moving parts, but the bottom line is I have not heard any interest in this organization in that particular player. So right. and I that, think that is, is, is the bigger thing to me. And- and you've got your finger on the pulse, so that's why I, I take what you're saying is uh, right on point. I just disagree with the Eagles. I think too is going to be. I think he's only going to get better. Had issues last year, got hurt this year. This is the first real good group of games that he's put together. I don't see any reason why he can't continue to do that and continue to get better. And you're right. We still got five, six games to go in this season. So there's that much more evaluation time. Um, I think that the kid's going to be a stone cold winner in this league and the Eagles should have a uh, higher evaluation of him. But that's just me. Um, this week's opponent, the Jets. Interesting thing, and I uh, heard uh, the D coordinator, J.G., reference this yesterday, that they've got many sources to get information on the Jets. Number one is the Jets tape from their previous games played this year. Number two is the preseason game these two teams played. You're just looking for tendencies and plays that you're not necessarily the the actual play level of the guys because it's the final preseason game and a whole bunch of reserves that aren't even on the Jets or the Eagles anymore are out there making plays yeah. in that game. But also the joint practices they had together that you were in attendance for. Do these two teams know each other that well? We look at it from an Eagle perspective. Oh, they know the Jets. They had so many chances to look at the Jets. This is a major plus. Well, the Jets had the same chance to look at the Eagles just as much because both teams were there and on the field. How much of the knowledge between these two teams of each other is a factor in Sunday's game? I, I think a little bit, but I remember talking to Nick about that in at, at those practices, actually. And he said, you know, by the time we do play him, it's going to be whatever it is, week 13 or, you know, game 13, exactly. whatever it is. But um, and he's like, there's a lot of moving parts. Things are going to change. They're going to be different. We're going to be different. So, I mean, there's some things, you know, the philosophy, they know the philosophy of the organization with Joe Douglas very well. And. Um, they understand uh, what they, you know, we were just talking about quarterbacks. Now the Eagles loved Zach Wilson. If they could have figured out a way to get up in the draft to get Zach Wilson, that would have been the guy that they, they would have gone in that direction, but they knew early in the process that mm, he was out of the realm of possibility. Um, so they, you know, they loved him as a player coming out Um I, I don't how many how many quarterbacks have the Jets used? Four, Jody? Oh yeah. Four? Uh Zach. Um Mike White. Mike White with his four hundred yard game, who is gonna be the next savior of the organization. Oh, he threw four interceptions the game thereafter. Um 
Josh Joe Flacco and Josh Johnson have all yeah. played for the Jets this year. So they have so many, uh, you know, moving parts during the season and obviously. But, you know, Robert Saller from his time in San Francisco, you know, Mike LaFleur, you know what he wants to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they know him better. I think they know the Jets better typically than you would know an out-of-conference opponent. You know, the, the, you, like you look at Denver, a team you see, you go out to Denver once every eight years and, uh, you know, you, you only play them very sparingly. You don't know that much about them. The, the, because of the interesting preseason uh, relationship that has gone on forever uh, between the Eagles and Jets, they do know a little bit of, more about each other than typical um, um, out-of-conference foes. I, w- I will say that. All right, last one, and then I know you got to get out of here because you got to go down and get tested. Um, tapping into your uh, always impressive knowledge of the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, Harry Roseman. It's draft day 2022. And the Eagles, let's say the season went on right now, kind of a weird thing. Uh, I saw this yesterday. I meant to bring it up on the show. Didn't. Uh, if the draft were to take place right now, the Eagles would be drafting at uh, numbers eight and nine. They're picking the Dolphins. Yeah, it's like, it's like the Jersey Turnpike draft. What do we got? Jets got two. Giants got two. Eagles got two. Jets are right now four and five. The Giants right now are six and seven. And the Eagles right now are eight and nine. You're going to have <laughs> six picks in the draft made by only three teams. Two teams, three different teams with back-to-back picks in the first ten picks of the draft. Uh, let's say we're sitting at pick number uh, three. And the Jets are picking at four. And the phone rings in the Eagles' war room. And it's Joe Douglas calling his old buddy, Howie Roseman. And he said to Howie, listen, Howie, we got four or five. We, we've got some leanings. Probably know where we're going to go. Um, you're sitting there at eight, nine. We'll give you Zach Wilson for eight and nine. Did the Eagles make the deal? Boy, I, 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 I would tell you, uh, you know, the Zach Wilson coming out uh, this year. Yes. Um uh, they loved Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, I, I think that was the number one player on their board with the exception of Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence wasn't on anybody's board because um, obviously everybody knew he's going number one. Uh, so he was scratched off. And that was the one player at obviously the most important position that they considered. We talked a lot, you know, up to the draft and how it shook out you know, about Justin Fields. And for whatever reason, they didn't evaluate him in the same uh, type of, of, of category, some same type of level. I, I would say yes, uh, but I don't know why the Jets would do that. So, I, you know. Hey, I'll, give you, I'll give you the Jet logic. I'll play Joe Douglas. Um, they made a mistake. Not that Zach Wilson can't play, that Zach Wilson isn't as good in LaFleur's system as they thought he was going to be, that they evaluated his abilities and what he could do and fit into LaFleur's system. And it just hasn't been a fit the way that they thought it was going to be. Still can tell the world that they love the player. They love the talent. The Eagles are getting a hell of a player. It's just, we miscalculated what Zach does well and what we want to do as an offense. That's the way they would sell it, that they would be taking. Yeah, they're, 
the second pick in the draft one year later you're trading away for the eighth pick in the draft now the balancer of course is the ninth pick in the draft so you're getting two for one but you're trading down from two to eight i think the jets could sell it if they wanted to go there and i've heard some rumblings to the effect that that is at least in part in place uh that the jets might actually think about something like that now the whole thing with the to be able to do something like that is they got to love one of the quarterbacks in the draft. They have to believe that if they don't think Wilson's a fit for their system, that Kenny Pickett is or Matt Corral is, that some quarterback in the draft this year is because they're going to have to turn around and replace Wilson. If that's the case, you think Harry Roseman would pull the trigger? Yeah, I mean, I I think the Eagles like the player. I, I can't imagine why they would look at this season and say he's, you know, unsalvageable. Uh, similar, you know, to Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's not playing well, obviously, no, but people realize the situation. They realize, you know, it's not like he doesn't have the talent to succeed. And I always say you got to you got to keep developing players that have to be in the right system, the right scheme. Uh, I think the Eagles would talk themselves into it. So many moving parts. I mean, the Jets as a whole, I can't imagine them doing it because, you know, they swung. It's not Joe Douglas's fault, but you, you have Sam Darnold as a top five quarterback. You have Zach Wilson as a top five quarterback. You know, you're going to go one more time. Jump yeah. back into the pool again. Come on, yeah. let's go. Now, people move faster today than they ever have. Now, back, you know, even going back 10 years, I would say no way, Jody, no way a team is going to admit a mistake. And by the way, I don't even agree with that. If you think you made a mistake and you're clear, it's best to move on as quickly as possible. But we know that's just not realistic or it had not been realistic in the NFL world for for many, many years. Teams do move quickly and, and, and more quickly than they ever have before. But boy, this organization as a whole, I can't imagine they would give up on the kid that early. I I would start to think if Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur are saying that behind the scenes, they they better be careful because they'll start thinking they made a mistake with the coaching staff more than the kid. I do think that's in play. And that's what the Eagles will be facing this week, the Jets. And oh, by the way, uh, three quarters of its season in, uh, almost, it doesn't look like the time to move on from Sam Darnold decision was the wrong one because Sammy hasn't done next to anything down in uh, Carolina. Yeah, real so. real quick, Jody, though. One, you know, Nick Sirianni, trust me, he wants a pocket quarterback. He wants somebody who could sling the football like Justin Herbert or something like that. But he's making do uh, with what he has at the quarterback position, some weeks better than others. Um that's your job as a coach. You know, if you're if you're saying you're not even a year in and you got injuries on top of it and you're saying, oh, uh, the second overall pick isn't uh, uh, it, it doesn't fit my offense. You know, I'm showing Mike LaFleur the door, to be honest. And there are some people that think that should be the case up in New York. All right, last one. I keep dragging this out with you. I need the John McMullen opinion. The John McMullen evaluation, not what the Eagles would do, not what information you have about the who the Eagles like, who the Eagles don't like. I'm just asking you, John McMullen, you're the general manager of the Eagles. Here are the two trades on the table. Which one are you making? Zach Wilson for number eight and number nine 
or Tua Tunga Bailoa for just number nine? Let's say you can negotiate. They ask for eight. You tell them, no, you're only getting nine. You got to give up. Maybe you could even get them for that Colt pick. I doubt it. But um, if you got to give up the middle pick of the three Eagle first round picks right now, would you give which trade would you rather pull the trigger on? Uh, Wilson for two high ones or two for one high one. Can I take door number C? If you can uh, create uh, it for me and it can be on par with C, those three trades. I, I, take, trades. I, I have no moral compass. I take Deshaun Watson for pennies on the dollars when he realizes the door is shut. Otherwise, he waves the no trade clause and I go get the proven option. I, in other words, I don't want either of those guys. My personal evaluation, I don't want either of those guys. Okay. And, uh, oh, by the way, this is deal or no deal. That's a no deal because... Deshaun Watson says it's a no deal. I understand yeah. it can trade somewhere down the road, change. But to this point, he said no deal. I'm lobbying. I'm lobbying. You can continue to lobby. Um, yeah, you, guess what? You're going to get get used to another Jalen Hurts year, buddy. Because if you're turning down both Zach Wilson I, and I would, do that. I would take another bridge Jalen Hurts year rather okay. than uh, right. go after. Um, and, I, you know, I know this team really likes Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be in a position to get him. Um, uh, that's the safety from, from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yep. I think that might transform their defense a little bit because he, he would be the type of player, the moving part that you can move all around. Um, yeah, I'd rather just stand put, wait for the quarterback I, I really, really like. Now, you're, at, you're saying you're, you were asking me. Yeah, like I said the Eagles really, really like Zach Wilson coming out. I I don't know if anything has changed from that perspective. So they might think differently. Fair enough. J Mac, uh, may your nasal nasal passages be as clean as they need to be. <laughs> yeah, that's always a, a a sneaky worry. I there's I shouldn't have anxiety over that. No. But. Right. You know, I had to go get, uh, I'm drinking coffee today, as you can see, by the way. Um, I had to go get my blood work done yesterday. I always get in there. All they're going to do is prick, boom, get out the door. But you never know what they're going to find. Then I'll find out for my doctor on Friday when I go see her. J-Mac, uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, well. bud. That's John McMullen here with us on Birds 365. All right. Uh, we're kind of staff uh, strapped today. Yeah, a little miscommunication. Who's going to be on? Who's not? Um, we're pretty damn confident that uh, Jason Cole is going to join us next hour. NFL writer, Hall of Fame voter, uh, very good uh, spot to have on. Um, but that's next hour. I the boss man is coming in. I guess well, when in doubt, turn to the boss. Right? It's kind of his show, so he's got to be able to pick it, pick it up and uh, run with the ball when you throw it to him. Uh, Joe Kraus going to join me next right here on Birds Three Sixty Five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got a Wednesday edition of Birds 365. We're kind of uh, shaking up the lineup a little bit, like the Birds. Don't know who's going to be playing this week. Injury issues uh, with the Eagles, quarterback, uh, running back with Miles Sanders, Jason Kelsey in his knee. Yeah, even though Kelsey, you know everybody knows Kelsey's hurt, but you know he's going to play too because he's just one of the all-time tough guys. Speaking of tough guys, joining me for the next uh, seven minutes here on Birds 365 is the boss man, Joe Krause, from his comfortably ensconced uh, studios in the Krause uh, network. Uh, good flags you got going. How many? What are the flags behind you right now, Mr. The U.S. Army flag and, of course, the flag for the greatest country in the world, the American flag, Jody Mack. And listen, as I'm sitting in the green room, by the way, uh, waiting to jump on, <clears throat> I finally realized, listening into your last couple of um minutes with uh, John McMullen that I sit here as the Gardner Minshew of birds. <laughs> I'm quirky. I can't throw the deep ball. Okay. But I can dink and dunk my way through the segment to get to the finish line. And that perhaps uh, is what we'll see uh, on Sunday. Should Gardner Minshew uh, get some playing time uh, in the game against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So that's my thought as I jump in here on a Wednesday morning. I like a lot of the parallels between you and Gardner Minshew. I think they're very much on point. You got to work on that facial hair because he's got uh, one of the most recognizable mustaches in football and 
you have none, Mr. Well-shaven guy. But I do, uh, I see the comparison with where Gardner is at and what he's going to be asked to do this week if he comes in as we're asking uh, you to do what you need to do. Um, how much concern do you, you have that part of the decision Eagles will have to make on who's going to be their quarterback on Sunday is, yeah, a different quarterback, a stay-at-home quarterback, a pocket quarterback. We've got a good offensive line. We could probably protect Jalen. But we count so much on his running ability. If we can't do that, because, yes, the ankle is sturdy enough that we think he can drop back and pass, but we don't believe he can take off and run for 70 yards like he has a bunch of times over the last few weeks. How much of a fact do you think that is, that the decision is going to come down and go, well, if he can't run, who gives us the best chance to win? It's the mustache man, Gardner Minshew. Do you think that's going to be in play on Sunday? Well, I think if it's in play, you know, and I I talked with John McMullen about this on football 24-7 uh, on Monday. We did not do a coordinator's day uh, football 24-7 yesterday, but I did talk with uh, McMullen uh, about it uh, on Monday. Um, the weapons, Jody Mack, that Jalen Hurts has – on this offense are just not fair. They, they do not give Jalen a legitimate chance to prove how good or how bad he is. And that was evident in the game on Sunday. So my initial answer or thought to your question is if it's Gardner Minshew, who doesn't have the mobility and the ability to extend the play, Gardner can at least make a quicker decision than Jalen and get the ball out quick. Now, he might not get it deep, but he'll get the ball out quick. The question is, will it be Dallas Goddard? Will it be Devontae Smith? And who will be on the end or who will be on the receiving end of Gardner Minshew's decision? But at the end of the day, it's the same. There are two different quarterbacks but they are the same. When you line up with the talent that this team has offensively in the skilled positions, that's what you're going to get. It is. Uh, they're asking uh, Jalen Hurts right now to carry a pretty heavy load because the offensive weapons around him are only okay. And we're specifically talking about wide receivers because the running game's good. Uh, if they get Jordan Howard back this week, he's been on a great roll. It just... Uh, between the tackles, north-south running. Uh, Boston Scott had been fine up until he put the ball on the ground uh, this past weekend against the Giants, and Miles Sanders is what he is. He's a home run hitting back, and he's going to hit some home runs, but he's also uh, going to have some plays where he gets caught behind. You know, that first, play, that first play regarding Miles Sanders of the game, Jody Mack, against the Giants, the very first handoff to Miles Sanders may have went for – a yard or whatever it was, but miles does not, or does not like, as we know, to run behind the tackles and hit the hole. He's dancing, looking for uh, that home run uh, every single time. Now I do think somebody in that game after that first run came up to miles Sanders and said, run the damn ball between the tackles run right behind Jordan Mailata and just get us yards. And that's what I liked so much 
uh, about Jordan Howard over the last couple of games before he was injured. Not only did he run angry, but he ran straight north-south. Um, and that's what I don't like about Miles uh, Sanders. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, he's a talented running back. Is he a great running back? I don't think so. Yeah, but do you think Jordan Howard's a great running back? Well, for this offense, I think Jordan Howard gets him what they need. I think Jordan Howard gets him three or four yards. Oh, but, but, boss, man, that wasn't the question. I'll repeat it for you. Is Jordan Howard a great running back? No, he's not. No. Well, then. Uh, but is he better than Miles Sanders? Yeah, I don't think he's a better. He, he's a better fit right now for what the Eagles want. I think Miles Well, that's what they have, Joe. A much more talented running back. Yeah, I mean, Miles is capable of getting more yards, but Jordan Howard is capable or is a better fit for this offense. That's what I like more about Jordan Howard. Given the dynamic of who lines up on offense behind arguably – the best, one of the top three offensive lines in football, despite being banged up. And At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yeah. And, the, and the moving parts, I like Jordan Howard more than I like Miles Sanders. That's a fair way to look at it. I think, I still think, I still have faith in Miles Sanders. I think he's a very good back. I think he's going to be there back next year. And I think they're going to have a productive running game next year with Miles Sanders if he stays healthy. I, some people are down on Miles. I'm not doesn't take away from what the Eagles have been able to do when Miles out of the lineup. They've been phenomenal. Jordan Howard and, and Boston Scott. And remember this, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've got a quarterback who can rush for 60 or 70 yards on any given week. Um, it isn't like Jordan Howard has got the highest per carry average in the national football league. He's got a good one. Certainly one. No one saw coming when he was on the practice squad two months ago. But a big part of the Eagles' successful running game, these 200-yard rushing games they keep putting up, is the fact that they got a QB who gets all those yards. And I think he could get those yards, whether it's Jordan Howard, who's back there in the backfield with him, or Miles Howard, or Boston Scott, or Kenny Gainwell. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to take off and do what he's going to do, no matter who's in the backfield with him. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. But it still comes down to... You know, as I sit here and I and, and I listen and I watch and and evaluate and learn from the experts, it still comes down to the talent and the weapons, Jody Mack, that the Eagles don't have on offense. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback in in, in 2022. You think so? Well. You're, you're, you're even if he's not there, even, even if Jalen is not go back to when Jalen was drafted and Carson Wentz was the Carson Wentz was the quarterback. If you don't have weapons or in Carson's case, he didn't, the offensive line couldn't protect him. You're not going to be able to sustain yourself offensively 
uh, in the National Football League. That's just the way it works. And, and, and they don't have enough talent on, on offense um, or they don't have enough weapons to be different or to change when they need to change. Just a quick check of the stats. Um, uh, yards per carry this year for the Eagles. Um, Boston Scott, 4.7, which is a damn good number. Don't good get number. you five. 4.7 a pretty damn good number. He would be fourth on the Eagles. Second would, uh, third would be Miles Sanders at over five yards per carry, 5.2. Yeah, they got the uh, Jordan Howard leading running back yards per carry at 5.4. But the leading rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles is at 5.7. Their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So you need to keep that in mind anytime you evaluate the Eagle running game. We always want to think of the running backs. Well, the Eagles have an extra running back on every single play, and his name's Jalen Hurts because he he, he uh, uh, carries the ball like a running back and is productive like a running back. Shoot, he's the most productive running back the Eagles have. Well, that's I, not a bad thing, no, right? You don't think that's a bad thing. Here's the only downside to it, and I think it, it – some people uh, – we get it here in Philadelphia because we watch Eagles week in and week out. We know how important he is. Um, people will just look up Jalen Hurts's – Quarterback ranking. I believe he's now 28th in the National Football League after the bad week that he had last week. Quarterback ranking of under 20, 17 and change. My God, that's bad. Uh, he's dropped down. I think he's 28 out of 32 starting quarterbacks, which is not good. But that doesn't take Jalen's ability to make plays with his legs into consideration. It's a passer rating. Him running the ball is not passing. But that's an, an asset the Eagles have in addition to their offense that the only team in the NFL has anything like it is the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. So I think you just need, when you're evaluating Jalen Hurts, and you said you already think he's pretty much locked in for 2022, his ability to run is a key element in, in potentially going that way. But he is a problem. And, hey, it took 13 weeks to rear its ugly head. If you're going to run it as much as Jalen Hurts does, there is that great a uh, chance for injury. And we're going to have to deal with it this week leading up to the game. He's got a uh, uh, an ankle that's bothering him. That's just a given. You have to factor that in. If you're going to have a quarterback who plays the game like Jalen Hurts, you're not going to go through the season 16, 17 games now and know he's going to take every snap every single week. You just can't have that kind of confidence level like you do with other quarterbacks around the league because he's putting his body at risk every week. You know, it's been beaten to death, uh, you know, in the last 24 to 48 hours or since actually uh, starting here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel on the live postgame show with Gunner, Mark Farzetta and Devin Caney. Uh, the Jalen Rager drops in the end zone. Greg Ward uh, dropped the pass in the end zone that, hey, um, scouts will tell you if the football hits you in your hands, you should catch the football so if you believe that to be accurate uh greg ward dropped the touchdown um jalen rager dropped those two at the end which both passes from jalen hurts uh to jalen rager hit him right in the hands right where they were supposed to be even the catch that rager made prior was throwing in the right spot. Rager made the Rager made the right play and 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 got the football. So Jalen did enough with what he has 
to win that game. I don't fault Jalen Hurts because the Eagles lost to the Giants. You know, this system that they have or the cards that you're dealt with, you know, are going to ultimately determine the results. And that's what we have, Jody Mack. That's where we are. Unfortunately, we're talent short at the positions to make big plays. Jalen Hurts comes with peaks and valleys. Yeah, Some weeks he looks great. And you say, damn, there's our quarterback. Why are we even having this conversation? He's going to buy our guy going forward. And then weeks like last week when um, he just wasn't finding open wide receivers. When he did, he forced a couple of balls. That's why he threw a couple of peaks. Uh, the peaks, every quarterback, every team with every quarterback, they have peaks and valleys. <clears throat> the Eagles' peaks and valleys with Jalen Hurts are a little bit more drastic than some other teams around the league. Would you agree with me that that's something that you really need to see between now and the end of the season? If we know what the peaks are, the best of the best that we've seen from Jalen Hurts, I don't even need to see that anymore. I just got to eliminate the valleys. I think that will do Jalen Hurts the best in his quest to become the Eagle quarterback going forward is you have to eliminate the valleys. You don't even have to peak up the way that he has on several weeks this year. I just don't think he can afford to have another game like he did this past week against the Giants. If he does, I think the Eagles are going in another quarterback direction. There, I agree with the statement and I agree with the theory, but if, if the pieces of the puzzle are the same, which they will be, you're going to get the same result. You're either going to continue to get peaks and you're going to continue to have valleys or you're not. Um, You know, the only way you're not is to change the pieces. You know, the Eagles do not have enough talent at the receiver position to run an offense that would be different than what we currently have. That's what I see. Uh, Again, uh, I'm the Gardner Minshew. I'm on the sidelines listening in the listening with an earpiece. I'm listening to the plays that are being called. I'm watching it envelop in real time. You either have playmakers or you don't, Jody Mack. They don't have playmakers. They don't have enough playmakers. Enough playmakers. That's the exact right way to say it. All right, Krause, last thing. Uh, we're going to get Jason Cole up here to join us next. Back to I, the experts, bro. I need you. the experts. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even begin to ask you to take your Kanga ad off. But I'm going to ask you to take your eagle-colored green glasses off. Who's got a better green, Jets or Giants? Jets or Giants? Which color green, the Jets green or the Giants green? Who's got the cooler green, Jets or Giants? Uh, Jets or Eagles? What am I saying? God damn it, my bad. That, that's why he's looking at me. He wasn't looking at me. Wait, he was looking wait, down wait, at me. What? what the wait, wait, is what? Jay talking about? Eagles or Jets? Who's got the better green? J-E-T-S, Jets, that Jets, would be Jets. Correct. Sorry, Eagle fans, but... Yeah. Uh, the, no doubt about it. Eagles Jets. keep playing around with the green. They can't get it right. J-E-T-S, Jets have the right green. That would green. be correct. Now, the Eagles have the better team. They got the better talent. They're in the better standings, and, the, and they may have the better future going forward. Jets still got the better green. Crossy, great stuff. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate All right, it. Jody Max. See you next. Hey, don't forget, like, share, and oh. subscribe. Make sure you do like, share, subscribe, like, share, subscribe, like, share, subscribe, even to the lesser green. We are here on Birds 365. All right, uh, Jason Cole, NFL writer, joins us next here on Birds 365.
Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that. Wednesday edition of Birds 365. Jody Mac playing solo today. Uh, Johnny Mac already on, got COVID testing, uh, Jeff Kerr. We'll get Jeff up either uh, Thursday or Friday uh, with a guest, guest spot here from CBSports.com. Oh, but we got a good guest with us right now. One of my favorite NFL writers. He's been doing it for years. Uh, his perspective on the NFL is one of the best we get here on Birds 365. You see him on the Jacob Media. Sometimes he defaults over to that Cilio show from time to time. Uh, we're glad when he joins us here on Birds 365, Jason Cole jumps aboard with us. How you been, Jason? I'm great. What's going on, Jody? Not a mooch. Um, let me start here. Since I know you're a Florida guy, um, and I got some responses on the stream. Um, okay. Jalen Hurts opened the conversation again this week about the Eagles quarterback position in 2022. He had had a bunch of nice weeks in a row. Eagles offense was rolling. He was a big part of the running game, which had become the best in the NFL. Er, here come the breaks. Lousy game this past week. So people start worrying about, yeah, where are the Eagles going for quarterback next year? I threw out this scenario that if Deshaun Watson eventually gets his legal issues dealt with, to a level that uh, a team would uh, jump back in the fray and pay the going rate to get him out of the uh, uh, off the Texans roster, 
the team that it seems he most wants to go to, and he's got a no trade clause in his contract, is the Dolphins. They got down the road on trade conversations. Uh, Stephen Ross at the last minute saying, and we need him to clear up all those lawsuits first before we acquire him. Pretty much put mm-hmm. a kibosh on the conversation at that point. But let's say we're down the road a little bit and it becomes more viable. I'm a Tua Tungabaloa fan, and he's played really well four weeks in a row. Four out of the last five, he's had a QB rating of over 100. Uh, Dolphins are winning games. If the Dolphins are still married to getting Deshaun Watson, what do you think the going price is going to be for a guy like Tua? What would the Dolphins need in return for him on the open market this offseason? Well, I think it's probably going to be a mid to low one plus would be the price that they were aiming to get or there what's it what's the initial asking price going to be it'll be some some absurd thing like two ones plus something else but once they've got the watson trade in place the price becomes lower right because they're going to want to get you know they're going to deal with the problem um and the other thing that will determine the price is what's the market for him now there are some people who you know yourself who like him. Um, his completion percentage is good the last few weeks. He's getting rid of the ball quicker. His accuracy is starting to show up. Um, the downside for Tua is he doesn't seem to attack the downfield very well. Um, if he's not in an offense that, do- that doesn't have a lot of weapons, is he going to be able to create on his own? Is he the kind of move running quarterback that people thought he was coming out of Alabama. I think the answer to that is no, because I don't think he's regained his speed from all of the injuries between the ankle and the, the hip injuries, but he can, he's okay. So I think there's some variables built into what the price is going to be, depending on how you view Tua. If you're a fan of Tua, you might be willing to pay a one plus. If you're not, it may be a two, a two and a three or a two and a four or something like that. All right. Uh, just hypothetically speaking, I was having a conversation with Johnny Mack, my usual partner, in the first segment. The Dolphins are going to ask for one of the Eagles' two higher first-round picks. Eagles going to have three picks this year. Right now, they've got the Dolphin pick, their own pick, and potentially the Colts pick, which is all but a done deal, that the Wentz pick is going to end up being a one. I think the Dolphins would ask for one of the two higher ones. They might have to settle for the lower one. If it's a Colts one, it might be middle of the first round, which is not a bad spot either. Yeah, I mm-hmm. would be willing to give that up if I were the Eagles. But I'm a bigger Tua fan than most. How big a Jalen Hurts fan are you? We haven't had you on in a couple of weeks. We've got a chance to see a little bit more of Hurts. The upsides, the peaks, and the downsides, the valleys this past week against the Giants. Do you think he's a viable quarterback uh, going forward as a starter? Or the Eagles or any of the team in the net. Look, I, I just don't, I, I'm not a big believer in the accuracy on a consistency consistent basis, and I think there are t- the two most important things that you have to be as quarterback are a, uh, uh, you know, they're they're kind of part and parcel. You have to be really really accurate, and you have to make really good decisions. Um, I don't know that he's re- very accurate. The decision making is okay, so. I see a guy who there are moments when he gets outside of the pocket because of his athletic ability, because he can run a bit, and because he does have a strong arm where you know, he can do some really interesting things and he can exploit some defenses that are over-aggressive, right? Um, he's really good at that. 
But if you're talking about, hey, the ball's got to be out, one, two, three, it's got to go, one, two, three, it's got to go, one, two, three, it's got to go, boom, you know, we're, we're talking about a second and a half to two and a half seconds. Eh, you know, I'm not, I, I start to get uncomfortable with him. And I think that there were a lot of things that were done when he was in college, when he was winning, especially at Alabama, that were done to cover up his liabilities. And when you get to the NFL, it's harder and harder to consistently cover up your liabilities. All right. Uh, let's say the Eagles can't convince Deshaun Watson to come here. And they're not as big a fan of Tua Tagovailoa as I am. And certainly Aaron Rodgers isn't coming here. And I doubt uh, Mr. Wilson is coming here either. Mm -hmm. This year's draft class, I know you're an astute observer of not only the National Football League, but you keep your eye on the college football game as well and for the guys who will eventually become pro quarterbacks. What do you think of the level of the quarterback crop coming out in this year's draft? Uh, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, I, I think that this is a bunch of guys. This reminds me of the year that Boomer Esiason came out in the draft where – your best, you know, your best guy was probably a second round pick. Now they will end up forcing these guys up into the first round because there's such desperation. There's not a single guy in this. There's not a single guy out there who I say, "Wow," like I see that he's ready to play in the NFL, and I think he's going to be an impact guy. I just don't think it's a very good draft at all. Yeah, um, I might like them a little bit more uh, than you do, the way that you're sounding, but we're not far from being on the same page here. Right. I don't think there is a stud franchise unquestioned. This guy's going to step in and raise the level of your organization type guy. If you, yeah, if you're Philadelphia and you got you get three picks in the first round, you're going to end up with three picks in the first round in, most, in all, almost all likelihood. Um, because you're not going to have to, you're not going to have to trade up, uh, you know, a boatload of picks to get to the number one or two or three pick. That's, I just don't see that that's going to happen in this, in this draft to get a quarterback. If your desire is to get a quarterback, um, you may trade up for a guy like Hutchinson. Um, you know, if you, if you love that guy, but generally I don't think people, People don't extend themselves like that for defensive players uh, or non-impact non position players. It's one of the reasons why I think the Dolphins, if they do uh, pursue Deshaun Watson, could do well for Tua because if a team is looking to change their starting quarterback, I'll take Tua over anybody in this upcoming draft, and it's not even close. All right, uh, let me ask you an NFL question, Jace. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving Day. They had what I called a very typical NFL day. You had two pretty poor teams playing poor football, but it was a great game because it went right down to the wire. Field goal on the last play wins a game. You had two yeah. good teams playing exciting football, and it was great. It hung to the last minute. Phenomenal plays throughout the game on the offensive side from both the Raiders and the Cowboys. And then the Sunday nighter, you had a team that looked dynamite. And that was the mm -hmm. Bills. The Saints are coming apart at the scene because of injuries. But you get that in the NFL, too. It was such a prototypic NFL day across the board. I thought, yeah, this showcases for the casual fan that just jumped in for the day. And I said, what's the NFL all about? You got a really good view of it if you watch all three games. The other view the you other got were flags of plenty. 
Every mm-hmm. single play, you got to look for. Is there a flag on this play? What's the flag? on? Who's getting hurt? And I, I don't know if the NFL has a referee problem or an adjudicating problem. Is it the guys who are calling these penalties or is it the league that's telling them they got to call these many, many penalties? Or is it, shut up, Jody. They did such great rating numbers. They don't even care what you think about refereeing and or the way we call the game. Does the NFL have a problem? No, they don't. I mean, I, I, look, some games are just going to be like that. Okay, you're occasionally get a, get a, get a, get a game where what was it, twenty eight penalties was it in that in the in the Dallas game? Cowboys Raiders, yeah, yeah, Cowboys Raiders. Were, I I can't remember the number, but I mean it was you know in the yard in the yardage, and yeah, it's abysmal. To, it's dreadful to watch. Okay, I don't pay. Look, I've had this conversation with any number of. Um, NFL execs where it's like, I don't buy a ticket to watch a guy referee. <laughs> and I, I, like a referee should be like a great waiter. Okay. You go to a really nice restaurant, you have a great meal. The service is seamless so that you have a wonderful conversation. You're enjoying the meal. Everything's going well. You don't think about the service, right? The game is just run. Okay. But sometimes in the, you know, I think it's Marv Levy said you get over officious jerks. And sometimes the game, or sometimes the game is just sloppy. Um, the game should not be that that sloppy at this stage of the year. If you're telling me this was week one or week two or even week three, okay, I get it. Um, by Thanksgiving Day, the games should not be this sloppy. Um, even Thursday night games or Thursday day games. On a short week, they shouldn't be this sloppy, but it was. I, I I don't know that you know in all those penalties, I don't know that there were a lot where you would say that was a terrible call. True. Okay, they were they were obvious calls, and you got to make the calls. So I all of that is to say, some games are just worse than others. Don't overreact to one one or two games. Um, I don't think it's this huge trend. Are we always going to complain about officiating? Yeah, we're always going to complain about officiating. That's just the nature of the nature of what we do. We bitch about it all the time. Yes, and I think we're right too. But the NFL is just going to go. How I don't many- know how you fix it. I, I, but I say the thing about it is, you know, people talking about full time officials. Okay, I'm not sure what does that mean. All right, like I, I, you know, like you don't have a lot of games that you can. You know, like, okay, we're finding forty hours of work to get for a guy to do during the week. There's not, yeah. there's not enough games to go around. Okay, are you saying that somebody is a permanent official because the, you you've got him working college games and pro games? And by the way, maybe he's like Gene Steratore and he does college basketball as well. You know, because he's made his life into being a referee and all those other things. Okay, you could maybe do some stuff like that. But even then, it's not really a full-time job. It just—it's it, not like being a major league baseball umpire. Those guys are full-time, and they're terrible too. So, right, and 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 Someone they kind of have to be because the major league baseball season is an everyday thing. Uh, right. Pretty much so six out of seven days a week, the NFL full-time. is the one day a week thing. So, full-time referees is not the answer. Yes, you and I absolutely. Well, I, I just don't know how. I mean, you can do it. You can hire somebody to be a full-time referee. But other than watching video of games, which those guys already do, 
I don't know what you're making them do. Like that, that's that that's the thing that I just sit there and go, okay, what does that mean? Right. Report to Secaucus so you can watch that many more hours of video and go back over the uh, calls. I don't think it changes things much at all. Jason Cole, I guess, you're on Birds 365. All right. Uh, specifically that Cowboy Raider game, specifically the Cowboys. Um, coming out of that game when they got beat, uh, or I should say leading up to it, a couple of guys whose opinions I respect in the week leading up to had said they thought the Cowboys had a chance to be the best team in the NFC. I woefully disagreed. And then after the game, I kind of said, see, told you so. Um, I think the Cowboys are at best the fourth best team in the NFC. I certainly think the Cardinals are better. I think the Packers are better. I think the Bucks are better. Um, that was a San bad Francisco, game. Los An- the Rams, you know, they're all kind of in that bag. Right. Um, do you think the Packers, Cardinals – and Bucks have separated from that next group uh, the same way I do? Marginally so. Uh, I think that the Cardinals, you know, losing J.J. Watt hurt them defensively quite a bit. Um, but I think they're overall the most talented. I think the Cardinals are the most talented team in the NFC when healthy, um, even at this point, even after losing J.J. Watt, they're still... The problem is, you know, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins aren't out there on a consistent basis right now. So you're saying, what are they really? Okay. But if those guys are on the field and they're healthy, yeah, I like that team best of, of all of them. Marginally more than Tampa. But Tampa's a veteran. Tampa is your team that has, what do they have, 19 guys who are in their 30s. So they know how to play. <laughs> like when the playoffs start, Tampa will be focused and ready. The all the 17 games that you lead up to it, when you have that many veterans and that many guys who've been around that long, you know, they get a little bored. They know when they have to turn it on and when they don't, and they'll be ready to turn it on. Um when you know, when the time is right. Green Bay, it's all about the quarterback. You know, it's just is is the quarterback sharp? Is the quarterback ready? Is the quarterback you know? Is he, has he done whatever it is mentally that he needs to do to get himself ready? Because the dude's just different. He's just really, really different. He is a different dude, but he is also as talented as they come. And yeah, he's got him right there uh, with arguably the best record. Uh, by the time the season's over and done with, the road to the Super Bowl could run through uh, Lambeau Field. All right, over in the AFC. Who's the best team there? Oh, it's Kansas City. Don't 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 get caught up in the you know the records. It, they have the most talent by far. They're the most dangerous team out there. It, when they get hot for a fifteen minute or twenty minute stretch, they can just destroy people. Their problem is, and I think to a certain extent, it's we just talked about the Bucks. When you have all these older guys, they know how to turn it on. They get sometimes they get a little bit bored in the middle of the season. I think the Chiefs are a little bit of the flip side is that they're so young that they're so confident that okay, well, we will just turn it on when we have to. No, you have to push the pedal a little bit harder um, on a on a consistent basis, and you have to be really sharp. 
And I think one of the issues with that team is as much as Mahomes is a great, great player and a, and when he needs to be a great leader, he's a non-confrontational guy. So, and he doesn't go to those guys and get in their face away from the field. I'm not talking about on the field, but away from the field. He does not go up to him and go, we need to be sharp today. We have to be on our game today. He just doesn't want to be a jerk. And sometimes when you're the leader, you got to be a jerk. Okay. And sometimes you have, you know, and, it, you know, people say, well, that's got to come from Andy Reid a little bit. But the guy who holds the ball most of the time and determines the outcome of the plays, he's got to get in some people's faces every once in a while, too. You know, there's plenty of stories I can tell. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, John Elway. We, we can go Johnny Unitas. We can go all the way back in time where a quarterback looks around, guys, and we'll go, guys, it is time and it's, and, and it's now. And if you're not on this page, you're off this field or I'm shutting you out, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes you just have to be that guy. All right, who do you think could give him that edge? Is that got to come from Andy Reid? Is it just an ingrained personality trait that he may not have, that he always wants to be everybody's friend? Can you get that? He's still a relatively young player. He's not a rookie anymore. You can't get it. If you, if, you aren't, if you aren't that, you're not going to get it. And okay. that, and we have seen it. Like They haven't played a really consistent game from start minute one to minute 60 since week four of 2020 when they played Baltimore. And it was sort of a, look, you guys want to talk about Lamar Jackson and how great he is and how he's on my level and stuff. No, 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 no. Let me show you what level is different. And they, and I'm not saying it's all on Patrick Mahomes, but I say, I would say that it emanates from Mahomes and trickles down to everybody else, as we, as I've sort of discussed already. And it's like, okay, we can be down 14. You know, we're cool. I'm good, you know. And let me just, you know, flex my muscles on the sideline, do that little stuff that I do, and we'll throw up, you know, 20 points in 10 minutes, right? And, you know, and we dominate a game, and then we're, you know, th throw up two more touchdowns, we're up, we're up 17, game's over, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a lot harder to do that than you think. And I think it's a dangerous thing to fall back into that trap all the time. Fair enough. Uh, we're talking to Jason Cole here on birds 365. All right. Far be it from me to be a football cynic. I know I am. I know you are. We talk all the time about uh, the fans who like the whine and moan about the referees. It's in every single one of us. Yes. Um, but let's put cynicism aside for a second. How much would the NFL prosper if the Super Bowl pairing this year were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots? If it's Brady against Belichick for all the marbles at the end of this year, how high a rating could the NFL get? I mean, look, it's going to be ridiculously high. Um, but isn't it just degrees of the same, like, we know we're going to be way out here anyways, right? Okay, so we're going to be, like, way out here, and let's go get a stepladder and, like, go, like, another hand higher. I mean, yeah. 
they're already prospering. Okay, they're already blowing up media because they're the greatest thing that media has. Right, it's the greatest show because it's ritualistic. It's once a week. It's exciting. It's you know, it's all the things. It's organized violence. It's you know, it's 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 um, a gambler's paradise. Everything. The NFL game is perfect for for everything that you want to do. Okay. You know, from tailgating three hours before the game and having parties on a Sunday where you invite all your friends to to sitting at home with three computer screens because you got to check what's my bet on the next play, right? Um, like it's got it's got everything that you want, right? It's drama. It's um, it's a soap opera for men generally, right? It's you know, and not to say that there aren't women fans, but generally this is a soap opera for men. Um, you know, so, okay, if you make it Tampa and New England, does it add another level to it? Yeah, it does. But they're going to have the highest ratings for the year anyways. Right. So they you could. get the highest rated, you get the highest rating by this much more? Okay, cool. Yeah. You compare it to themselves. Like, could they have the highest rated Super Bowl ever? They'll the highest rated. I think Brady Belichick does that. And I think it would be fun at the same time. I think there's a certain amount of the audience who are like, God, we've seen this show so many times. Yeah, they did play in week four, but playing for the championship at the end of the season is a little bit more important than the game they played at week four, which, oh, by the way, the Patriots lost and fell to one and three. And have now won six straight games since and are vying for the best record uh-huh. in the AFC. Is this the best coaching job Belichick's ever done with Mac Jones? No, that the first Super Bowl that they won um, with Brady, uh, you know, coming in in week three. I mean, what's ever going to match that? I mean, there was a bunch of guys who people thought were nobodies. They had, what, 22 guys that they signed that year as you know, as free agents and brought us together and you take a six round pick out of Michigan that nobody knew who he was. And you turn that, I mean, that's a Cinderella story of all Cinderella stories. Mac Jones is a first round pick. Everybody thought he was a first round pick. Um, so no, this is not his greatest coaching job. It's an awfully good one. I'll give him that, but they have like, I know that the defensive players from the Patriots in that first Super Bowl run, were a lot better than we really understood at the time. You know, guys like McGinnis and Brewski and Vrabel and all the guys that they put together. Um, you know, Ty Law, who's a Hall of Famer. Um, but it was, it was still, a, you know, a, you know, a season out of nowhere. Because again, you replaced a first round draft pick, a number one overall pick at quarterback with a guy that who was considered a nobody, an absolute nobody. This year you have decent offensive weapons um, and you have really good defensive, decent offensive weapons and really good defensive players. So he's got more talent on this team by a long stretch than he had in that first Super Bowl. Okay, That's enough. all. Um, you went Wolverine in referencing uh, Mr. Brady. Michigan is uh, all but a lock to be in the college football playoff. They got, I know they got to beat Iowa, uh, Purdue, uh, Iowa this week, which I think they will. And then they're going to be in the uh, college football playoff first time ever. Um, 
Coach Harbaugh, staying mm-hmm. put. He's not going to get into the mix. These other jobs, the dominoes have fell on a lot of these big college coaching jobs. I don't think he wants a coaching college anywhere else. What's the chance he comes back into the NFL this offseason? Well, if he were to somehow win a championship at Michigan, like it's one of those mission accomplished moments. And are you going to put it back together? And is somebody going to make you that amazing offer? Uh, look, I'll, I'll rest on this. I, I think that Jim Har- Harbaugh loves to compete no matter where he is and will compete at the college level if it's presented and do it happily. But I do believe that in his heart of hearts, he prefers to coach men, okay? In other words, guys who are super serious about football on a regular basis um, and, you know, aren't... 19 aren't 18 to 22 year olds they're 23 to 35 36 year olds who the game is truly important to them right um i think that that's his preference and if somebody were to offer him enough money he would do it i think that the other problem but the problem with harbaugh is that he does come with enough sort of baggage and i'm not saying really anything evil or anything it's nothing urban meyer-esque nothing like that but he's high maintenance. He's like he's he's a super high maintenance human being, so, you know, like uh, beyond like like I can look up at my ceiling and I could probably look up for forty floors maintenance, high maintenance, right? <laughs> like the stories I, I you know I'm a Stanford grad, and the stories I've heard of him, about him at just at Stanford just make you laugh. Like it's that about how high maintenance he is and how how difficult he is to deal with. They've tolerated a lot of stuff at Michigan because a they want him to succeed since he's a Michigan guy and they paid him. And the other side is I think some of his hubris has been knocked off, um, and it will come back now. Oh yeah, it'll it'll be right there at the top, but it's been knocked down a peg until this year because of all the losses, especially the losses to Ohio State. So he hasn't had, he has not had the ability to be the Jim Harbaugh, the high maintenance Jim Harbaugh that drives people crazy. He should be interesting to, to see if that's exactly what kicks I'm in. Here go, I'm back, baby, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let me go full circle, come back to the Eagles for a couple last questions. Um, Cowboys, record-wise, say they're the best team in the division. Uh-huh. I think they're probably going to finish the best team in the, the, the division, win the division. Had the Eagles won this past week against the Giants, I would have continued to beat the drum that it's not impossible that week 18, it could be Eagles, Giants, uh, Eagles, Cowboys for the division. That took a major hit and step backwards this week with their loss to the Giants. Who's the second? If we assume Dallas is the best team in the NFCs, who's going to be the second best when the season's over and done with? The Giants, who kind of undercut the Eagles this week, the Washington football team, who's won a couple of games in a row, and Taylor Heineke's uh, actually looked pretty good in a couple of those games, or the Eagles. Who's the second-best team in the NFC East? Can I do, like, an amalgamation of all three teams? Sure. I think if you took all three teams, you'd have one, you'd have one decent team. I don't think they – like, none of those teams scare me. They're all capable of doing something interesting from week to week. But there's not a quarterback in the bunch. 
maybe Daniel Jones is that quarterback. You know, he's had some moments of consistency. I think Taylor Heineke is um, like that dude's playing on house money. Like he's sitting here going, I never thought I was going to get here and I'll, I'll, I'll put it all out there and just wing it around. And Philly is, you know, betwixt and between because they're not sure if, you know, what they're doing at quarterback. You know, I, I think they're all sort of in the same boat because the quarterback position at each on each team is so much in flux. Um, so I guess I would lean towards Washington. If we're only the only reason, I guess, or the couple of reasons is I think they're the best team defensively out of those three. And I think they have the best coach um, who has been through the wars enough times that he knows how to get through those, those typical games. But man, it's just a matter of degrees. Like where there's there's not a lot that separates those throughout these teams, and I don't say that to dodge the question. I say that because I just kind of look at him and you know, like I'm bored by those three teams. Just really, really bored by those hey, three teams. Last year, week in and week out, I was calling it the NFC least. It's not as bad this year as it was last year. So at least no, they're, just, they're, they're trending up. They're trending up, but they're still boring. Like, I mean, like, mm. if somebody put a gun to your head and said, you have to buy a ticket to one of these three teams that you just mentioned, which one do you want to oh, buy? I, I, a ab- absolutely, the Eagles for right. Jalen Hurts and right. Jalen Hurts only. <sighs> because he does something that you're not going to get out. I know every once in a while that the giant QB can pull it down and run with it, but he can't do it this week. Look like he's actually hurt. And yeah, I've I've kind of enjoyed watching Taylor Heineke. I think he's got some nerve the way he plays the game. He's he's an okay hey, guy. I don't he, think he's, he's gonna like, lead he's like, him anywhere, like, but right. Like I got hey, I got this chance. Let me like he's playing like a like like a guy coming out of nowhere should play like Tyler Taylor Heineke. He he should just say, like, I'm gonna do the best I can because this is this may be my one shot, right? You know, it, it, he's like He's playing like uh, like Eminem, you know, sings in, you know, in that one song. I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember the name of the song, but, you know, like I'm, I'm putting it all out there. I'm just, you know, I'm giving you everything I have. This is this is my one shot. You know, feet fail me not. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that's how he's playing the game. And I, res- I respect that. I don't think it's ultimately going to work out. And I don't think it's going to work out for any of those three quarterbacks. They're just that's the nature of the beast, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like I don't want to have to spend money to watch any of these three teams play. I would spend money to watch Dallas play because they've got some stars and they're interesting. The other three, eh, not so much. Just Good job. Feeling. Good job by you weaving back to the Eminem analogy that you were working on and came up with it. Good job. Uh, all right, I want to tap into one more of your levels and areas of expertise, and that's Hall of Fame. You're one of the Hall of Fame voter selectors. Uh-huh. Couple of Eagle guys of note, two that made the semifinal list that came out last week, and a couple of guys who aren't up for nomination just yet. But I want to get your down the road look at them as well. Um, Ricky Waters, who had a, a nice little run here in Philadelphia. Maybe more thought up as a uh, 49er guy. Afterwards, went to Seattle. He had his career, but we only acknowledge the time he spent here in Philadelphia because that's what we do here in Philadelphia. Anything else that happens anywhere else doesn't matter. What do you do when you're here in Philly? 
Um, yeah. but I'm going to ask you to evaluate all of Ricky Waters' career. Is he a Hall of Fame back? The, the, uh, that hesitation is a no. Okay. If you hesitate that much, it's a no. But I will say it's really, really close. All right. There are moments where he was every bit of Edger and James. And it took Edger and James a while to get in the Hall of Fame, right? He didn't just walk in the you know, first ballot. Um, there were other times where Ricky was, you know, I think just a compiler of stats, which can also be enough to get you in the Hall of Fame, right? You know, if you compile enough stats, you know, I call it the Don Sutton theory of getting in the Hall of Fame. Don Sutton, as a baseball player who I grew up watching in Los Angeles, was never an electric baseball player, right? But he won 324 games. You can't deny him. Ricky Waters is close to the same thing, but not quite there. And I would say that that also applies to the next guy you're going to talk about, which is Eric Allen. Correct. Eric, Eric Allen is, you know, with 50 something interceptions, one of the, you know, cons very consistent. Rondé Barber is a compiler of of st stats at a very extraordinarily high level. Um, to me, Rondé Barber is the best of those guys um, when you talk about compilers of stats because he also has a ring. And I know that shouldn't be the only determining factor, but, you know, the point of this game is to win. You know, the point of the exercise is to win a championship. He did that. Ricky also did that with San Francisco. So, you know, it's kind of close. It's tough. It's a tough call. Yeah, I think Eric Allen was a better quarterback than Rondé Barber. That's just me, and if I had a vote, I would vote yes for Ricky and no that's for fine. Rondé. But that's that's why you guys uh, have the job that you have yeah. is you got to make you those cutting make edge them. decisions. Well, and we'll have a great. I'll say this: I think the discussion on those guys is going to be awesome this year. Like that's, I look forward to the discussion because I can be persuaded. Like I always thought that John Lynch was a better player than Brian Dawkins, but I think the discussion on Brian Dawkins brought me around to in that year when they were both on the ballot, Brian Dawkins was the better of the two. That's why Dawkins went in first. Lynch still eventually made it. But this is why this is why the process I think is great. Is it flawed? Sure. It's flawed. Every system you every system you can put out there is flawed. This one I think is is pretty awesome because of the way that we do it. I, I agree with the, your evaluation of it. The fact that it's different is what makes it good. Every other one, you send in your ballot. You guys actually debated and uh, have, have advanced conversations on it, which I think uh, raises the level of what you guys actually can do and accomplish. All right, quickie on two guys who aren't up for election this year, aren't going to be up for a while. One, I have no bloody idea when he's going to be up, but have certain traits that make them a possibility someday be a semifinalist and maybe be a Hall of Famer. I know you haven't done your homework on these guys because you don't have to. You can wait a couple of years. Right. Shady McCoy. Do you look at him as a potential Hall of Fame back? Not really. Not yet. But I haven't studied his career numbers. and you know, I, The exact thing that you just described. And by the way, Jody, if this thing goes out, unfortunately, I'm not. my computer is not plugged in. I just got that low battery thing going. Okay. So hopefully we'll hang out here. Two, we got Shady and the other one is a guy who's still playing, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, there are certain Deshaun numbers Deshaun have put up that he's second no. all time in 50-yard touchdown catches in the NFL. 
Does he ever make the semifinal cut? Uh, don't bring me Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring me Fletcher Cox. Like, no, nah, F- Fletcher's still uh, down the road. Yeah, yeah. don't bring Deshaun? me Deshaun Jackson. No, okay. Deshaun Jackson. Come on, Steve, uh, Steve Smith. Bring me Steve Smith. I think you know, Steve Carolina. Smith. You, you think? Do you think he's getting in this year? No, I don't know that he's getting in this year. I said I don't know. Okay, but I love to argue about Steve Smith because that guy put everything he had out on the field. Deshaun, do you ever think that Deshaun Jackson put everything that no, he had? Out no, no, on the no, field? no, 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 no. <laughs> did he like how many plays? How many games did did Deshaun Jackson take off? Now he's a splendid player. Okay. Don't get me wrong. If I've got him, I'm going to use him and I'm going to use him effectively. But Hall of Fame? Come on. Like, okay. I just uh, I mean, Deshaun got about 70% out of himself. I mean, he doesn't like to go over the middle. and He doesn't like to, you know, he wants to just run go routes all day. And he's good at it, you know, like, but like. <sighs> but in the highlight society in which we're living these uh, days, I, this is okay. 50 fine. yard touchdown passes get a lot of attention, Jace. Don't bring me, don't ever bring me that. I want guys who put everything that they had into it. You know, balls to the wall. This is, I, I gave you everything I had. We'll see if it's good enough. Good, that ain't good, Deshaun Jackson. Good for you. You stick to the way that you uh, look at a Hall of Famers. Continue to do so. We appreciate you coming out for a nice long time with us today. Jason, thank you very much. Any Anytime. projects you got coming up, uh, books that we can be on the lookout for, when they're going to uh, I'm actually just finished a book. Um, it's not coming out anytime really soon because it's worth I work with it. It's, it's actually a really cool project with a kid who um, named Robert Paylor, P-A-Y-L-O-R, not football. He was a rugby player in college. Um was paralyzed in a national championship game and has become a motivational speaker. Um, what a wonderful human being. That's it's fantastic. And then I've got three or four other projects, but I can't talk about those. Yet. Well, please get back to me when the book with Jason Pale is going to hit the uh, shelves. We certainly want to get you on that. We can give us that many more details on it. Thanks for coming on with us today. We'll talk again down the road, bud. All right, dude. Thanks, Jerry. That is Jason Cole, uh, National Football League columnist, Hall of Fame voter. Man, he was dismissive of Deshaun Jackson. I don't think Deshaun Jackson's a Hall of Famer either, but I don't just give him the back of my hand and say, do not bring him to me. That was dismissive. But that's why Jason's good, because if he feels strongly about something, he's going to tell you that. All right, I'll come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. But it is Birds 365. Final couple of seconds. Just going to put a bow on the show. And I get ready for 22 hours from now when we come back. When I say we, I mean me and my partner, John McMullen, who was on with us earlier. If you didn't catch it, should get more information today. He's down at the Novacare Complex. Has to get his COVID uh, test so he can cover the game in uh, MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Which, by the way, as of right now, I am planning on being in attendance. I will be going to the Eagles and the uh, Jets on Sunday as a fan, uh, which should be fun. Uh, but Johnny Mack and I will be back tomorrow. Should know a little bit more about Jalen Hurts' status. Uh, the Eagles hopefully will be a little bit uh, more forthcoming. I don't know how much they can because they won't have practiced yet. So they won't have a chance to have tested, but uh, the doctor certainly will be on top of his ankle and you'll, get Jalen's estimation as to how uh, ready he will be to play by Sunday. Uh, God, thank a whole bunch of people today. Certainly Johnny Mac, uh, certainly Joe Krause for doing the fill in thing, jumping in out of the lineup. You got a big injury, fill in Joe Krause, never miss a beat. And then uh, Jason Cole, which uh, for all my streamers here, my commenters on the stream, I know that Jason doesn't have the most high energy voice, ever to come down the pike. He's kind of a laid back guy. I, I don't care. Shoot. I always uh, believe that it's then my job to pick up the uh, energy on a show. He is just so good and has such strong viewpoints. And I think on point, I don't care if his voice is boring or not. Some of the guys and gals on the stream were making fun of uh, Jason and the fact that he's a little low energy. Who the hell cares? Listen to what he has to say, not how he has uh, how how he says it. Uh, I think Jason Cole is very good, and we will get him back up certainly before this season 
is over and done with. Uh, so I want to thank him too. Thank everybody who did stream in today. And let me tell you one more time, and I'll tell you 20 times tomorrow, like the show. Please like the show. It'll help us out. It helps with the uh, uh, number of uh, views that you get. And the, what's, oh, the algorithm. We need to up our algorithm game. I have no idea what that means. Uh, but that's what they tell me. So I'm going to ask you, our loyal viewers and streamers, to like the show uh, and subscribe here uh, on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, Mac and Mac back tomorrow. We will have Brian Costello's bud covers the Jets for the New York Post, known by for years. Uh, he will hop aboard to give us a little bit of a Jet perspective and find out who else joins us tomorrow here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.